So today's our final sermon, although I might sprinkle one or two in later this semester, summer rather, but this is our final sermon on the Praying the Psalms series, our emotional God series. All spring we've been talking about how God is a God of emotions, he made you with emotions, but he's a God of truth. And those two things, truth and our emotions, they they constantly are at war with each other. And so how do we know what our emotions are telling us when it lines up with scripture? Because emotions change every day, moment to moment. Like I emotionally right now, am a little cranky, hangry, because I smell all the crawfish. But that's not like a true thing that should define my life. The truth is what should define who we are and how we act. So God has something to say to every single one of you guys, myself included, every single day, like something specific, something that you need to hear. And if you wanna learn how to hear him, how to understand him, you need to learn, we need to learn how to pray. In the Bible, specifically the book of Psalms, that's our instruction manual, that's our guidebook on how to learn how to pray. If you wanna know how to pray, you open to any Psalm and there's gonna be a lesson or five in there. So, I wanna do kind of a review of our series, and if you weren't here, that's okay, but I'm gonna do a little pop quiz, five questions. If you get an answer right, come on up here, and we're gonna let you guys grab a couple prizes. But I got some simple questions that get steadily a little more in-depth, but as I ask, if you know the answer, put your hand up, and if you get it right, come on up here. So, question number one, what's the deadline for camp registration? In the back, yes. At what time? Midnight. Come on up. Second question. Finish this quote from my last two sermons. God is God and I am not. God is God and I am not. Well done. What's the antidote to discouragement? Encouragement. Come on up, young man. Two questions left. True or false? What we believe is the most important thing about us. True, come on up. Last question. Learning a new language, true or false, learning a new language changes the way that you think. True, come on up. All right, you guys give those guys a round of applause. And you can't peek, but you may go first. Just reach in there and pick something out. Oh, I've been waiting for somebody to grab that for a year and a half, copy of the Constitution of the United States of America. Well done. And that too, Legos. Come on, winner. It's like a, oh, this is great. So you know Pastor Jeff, our our senior pastor? This is a calendar that the communications team made where they inserted Jeff's picture over all kinds of, so there's Jeff as Luke. Here's Jeff as Dr. Seuss cat. So enjoy that. All right. Sneaky jelly beans. I don't want any. Thank you. Last one. Yes. All right, some masks. Well done. All right. Good job, you guys. Pay attention. You never know when you might get blessed. So we live in a world ruled by emotions. You guys don't have to look far. You can look at social media or the news, and people are just, emotions are redlining, and they're just forcing people to make decisions. They're, they're ruling and reigning in our lives. Our emotions are dictating who we are, how we live, how we run our country, right? But emotions change but the truth does not. Emotions are temporary. The truth in this book, the truth of who God is and who he created you to be, that's forever. That never changes. And to obey, to learn how to obey truth over emotions, we need to change the way that we think. We need to learn the language of God's, God's truth. 
God's language of love, encouragement, and truth. So every page of this book, God, I, I can't like, extol you enough. Read this book on your own time. Immerse yourself in the truth of this book. Every story, every teaching, every word is true. The most helpful thing that we can do to learn how to obey truth over emotion is immerse ourselves in the beautiful, blessed pages of scripture. So by that same rationale, the most harmful thing we can do is neglect this book. Let it sit on our shelf and gather dust. The, the word Bible in Hebrew is mikra, which literally means crying out. This book on your shelf where that app on your phone is crying out for you to pick it up and ingest truth. So I was praying about this sermon Monday morning in my office right across from the volleyball court over there. And I was asking the Lord, like, give me a passage, just uh, what do you want me to talk about, maybe from a different angle as we wrap up this series. And I opened my Bible to Isaiah chapter 28. This is very interesting passage, and I don't know if I'd ever noticed it before. Isaiah 28, 9 through 13 says this. Now the people, and that's us, the people asked, who, who does the Lord think that we are? Why does he speak to us like this? Like, are we just little children, just recently weaned? Or are we still toddlers and infants? God tells us everything over and over, one line at a time, one line at a time, a little bit here, a little bit over there. So now, God will have to speak to his people through foreign oppressors who speak a strange language because God has told his people, look, here with me, here's a place of rest. Here's a place of rest. So let the weary come and rest here. This is a place of quiet rest. But they would not listen. And so the Lord will spell out his message for them again. A little here and a little there. One line at a time. One line at a time. You guys, the people are complaining to God. Why are you just always teaching us the basics? You're always just going over the same stuff. And they're complaining and they're using this language of one line at a time, a little here. And then God says to them, look, the reason I keep telling you the basics, these things that you've heard over and over all your life is because you still haven't like learned them. You're hearing them, but you're not doing them. And I'm going to keep telling you, because these things are good for you. You need these things. You know, if, who, who plays video games, right? And if you don't play, you know, it's amazing how many boys and raise their hands and like, I didn't see a single girl. But, what's up, Lindsay? Sorry. I'm sorry. You know, you want to always advance to the next level, right? But don't you have to do this thing right here to get to that next level? And after you get like to this level up here, you're like, man, that thing back there was so basic. It's very similar in the spiritual life. If you want to, you know, get to this level in your, in your spirituality, in your giftings, whatever, you, you got to get the basics down first. And if we don't, God's going to continue because he loves us and he knows what's best for us to give us that one line at a time, a little here and a little there. Raise your hand if you wrestle with pride because it's the root of like every sin, so you should all have your hands up. I mean, raise your hand, maybe a better question would be if you're a little selfish, because I am. All right, we like the word selfish better. Well, me too. 
People who wrestle with pride and selfishness, like us, um, they think that they're better than other people. You're ever around people and you're like, oh, I'm a little better than them, okay? People that wrestle with pride and selfishness think, well, I know best. You ever hear your friends talking or even your teacher and you're like, man, I, I know more than them. I, I know a better way to do that. People that wrestle with pride and selfishness, they, they can think and then believe that they're above the rules. Like, I, I don't need to do this. That's, that's baby stuff. Well, I, I wrestle with those things and you all as human beings I'm sure wrestle with those things too. And the people in this passage are frustrated because they want to go to the next level and they want the deeper things of God. And God's response is, look, I want to tell you those things. I want to teach you those things, but you haven't learned the basics yet. Think of it this way. Which of you would love to get your license and drive a car in the next couple of years? Well, what do you need to do first? You got to take driver's ed because I don't want you on the road with me driving like a bunch of fools. I want you to know that red means stop, right? And, and hey, green, like go, go, get out of my way. Like, and much more. You need to learn the basics of traffic rule and law in order to drive a car. And I would much rather just jump in a car and go, but that's gonna hurt me, and it's probably gonna hurt somebody else too. You can't go into the wilderness, like for the folks going to Colorado for our Leader Treks trip, right? You can't just go off into the wilderness, into the mountains, without training first, without taking some of these boring hikes where you gotta pack 50 pounds of rocks in your bag and just walk through the sticks over by the old YMCA and Creekside. Like, you have to do that first, or you're gonna get to the mountains and they're gonna have to carry you out because you're gonna get worn out. Or go into the wilderness, like the wilderness, for like a week-long foray into the mountain, like you need some survival skills, you need to have the right supplies, you need to know some basics about how to find water, uh, how to be mindful of bears, right? What not to eat. Oh, these berries look great, and then you're dead. Um, and you can't be responsible for people, leading people, if you don't know first how to, how to follow. You wanna be a leader in this life, and by the way, God has said all of you are gonna be leaders in your own right, you gotta learn how to follow first, follow instructions first. And why not? Why can't we just do those things without doing these basics? Because they will hurt us. If I just jump in a car without knowing any of the rules, like when I went to overseas, I'm like, yeah, I got a driver's license, I know how to drive, I've been doing it for 10 years. Well, the traffic laws were completely different over there, and I needed to learn those laws, or I was gonna be like going down the wrong way in the highway. We get hurt and we hurt other people, we ultimately hurt ourselves when we skip the basics. And there's some real basic things that God has asked all of us to do and know and like walk out on a daily basis. And it's hurting us that we're not doing them. I'll give you an example. So here's a picture of my daughter at diving practice. Bing! Bing, bing, bing. There it is. So there's Charlotte. I'm, I made her the only one in color, so she's easy to spot. So this is over at the natatorium, and that's Charlotte at diving practice. So Charlotte is um, she begged us last fall to put her in diving. We have a pool at grandma and grandpa's house and she likes to you know, dive like off the side into the water. There's no diving board over there and she's got lots of agility like her dad. She loves the water and so she's begging, would you, you know, let me take diving, let me take diving. And so we, we let her. We, you pay up front and you get like two lessons a week for months and months and we paid for this because she asked for it and it's clear that she's gonna be good at it so we go to the first practice, and Charlotte's like there. She's in the natatorium, and there's all the senior 
high kids and the junior high kids doing swim practice and there's the big kids doing diving and then there's her little group over there on the side, first class, and Charlotte walks in and she gets really nervous. And she gets um, a little emotional and she doesn't want to be in diving anymore and we haven't even done a first class. And she starts to cry and get really upset. And now it's like she feels like punishment that she's going to have to stay there. And that's really rough for us. I remember I just picked her up and I just walked her around the pool, just trying to get her familiar with the situation. Be like, it's okay, everything's all right. Um, why was she upset? Why did she get nervous and emotional? Because my daughter, um, she doesn't like to be up in front of a bunch of people unless it's on her terms. She doesn't like focused, negative, or really positive attention. If it's unsolicited and you're looking at her, she gets nervous and she kind of ostriches, you know? Like, just puts her head down and pretends nothing's going on. She's been like that most of her life. And I know this about her. She doesn't like focused, positive attention. It embarrasses her. Anybody else like that? Okay. Well, I also know that if I let my daughter quit before she's even tried it, and this has like been built up. She's been asking for a long time. If I let her quit, um, it's gonna hurt her in the long run. It's gonna reinforce shame and it's probably gonna leave this scar in her. And it's gonna teach her that like, if you just don't feel like doing something, you don't have to even though you really want it. Like, I just knew there was an opportunity here. I just knew that this was a bigger deal than she's a little nervous. So Brooke and I talk and we talk to Charlotte. We make a deal with Charlotte. Look, we paid for these classes. You asked for them. You don't have to dive, but we're gonna go to the classes. And we're, our hope is that we'll just go and eventually she'll get in the water because she is brave and she is courageous. So we keep her in because why? Because we know what's best for her. We know her a little better than she knows herself, kind of like God knows you better than you know yourself. We know what's best for her and we want what's best for her. So we make this deal. You don't have to die, but you got to go to class. And we go to the first class and the second class. And she just sits in the stands in her little suit. And she never goes down and doesn't want anything to do with anybody down there. The third class she goes, and now she's like, I'm, I'm bored of sitting here. Um, I'll go down and I'll sit, by the, I'll sit by the pool. And that was huge that she did that. And the fourth class, she finally gets in the water. So next picture. And there she is. Boom. Little hero. So we'll leave that up for a minute. You, you can clap. I, I clap. Um, she loves diving. She's great at it. She, um, I, I just, I could brag on my kid right now about how awesome she is and how, how like inspired I am looking at her that she didn't give up and she didn't quit. She could have just stayed on the bench the whole time. I would have been okay with that. It would have fulfilled my minimum requirement, but she did it and she's great at it and she looks forward to going to diving every single week now. So, but those first three classes, like she didn't like just sitting there. Um, and she did not like me telling her or Brooke telling her over and over, you can go down there, you can dive, you can do it. She's like, no, I don't want to hear it. She didn't like hearing the basics from us over and over. Our constant encouragement of, you can do it, you can do it. It sounded to her the way that God's basic instruction sounded to the people in that passage. But um, she complained at us, she debated with us, she continued to ostrich with us and I wonder if there's not something in your life right now that God is asking you to do that maybe feels basic or too hard and you're complaining with him in your heart and you're debating him and you're like hiding from him. You need to trust that God knows what's best for you and he wants 
what's best for you. And he's not gonna ask you to do something that's going to hurt you in the long run. We love our daughter too much, just like God loves us too much, to let her grow up believing, um, I, I run from things I don't wanna do. I'm ashamed of positive attention. I'm a quitter. And God's doing the same thing for all of us all the time, whether we realize it or not. So I'll ask you guys a question. This is a loose question. I don't really have a lot of notes on this, but when you find yourself in an emotional situation, think back this past year, um, do you have a go-to response when your emotions like redline and it's more than you can handle? Like when, when you're feeling that way, is your go-to response like, like anger? Do you get angry when things feel like out of control? Or do you, do you get fearful when things feel like too much for you to handle and you just want to bolt, you just want to run? Or do you get ashamed when too many people are looking at you or looking to you and you just want to maybe hide or hurt yourself or like... Do you ever get so numb that you're just like, I just need to do something. I don't care what it is, even if it hurts. We all have our unhealthy coping mechanisms. And I'm wondering this morning, that since we're talking about if, if we have maybe missed a basic lesson from God along the way where he, was, he is, was trying to minister to us and call us up to that higher place. But first, we gotta get that basic step down because God did not create any of you to hold grudges. And I wonder if I went around and sat with each of you personally, how long it would take to find out that maybe you have a grudge, some unforgiveness against somebody. God didn't make you to do that. That's not his design for you. Um, God did not create a single one of us to hurt ourselves. And a lot of us hurt ourselves in a lot of different ways. That's not the way God created you to be. And, and God did not create you to be pushed around by fear or shame or anger. He made you more than conquerors, is what the Bible says. This is who God created us to be. This is a great passage in 1 Timothy chapter 4. It says, God created you to be one who is nourished by the message of faith, the message of truth, and the good teaching that you have followed. So do not waste time arguing over godless ideals and silly ideas about how to behave. Instead, train yourselves to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. You guys, God is not training you to do something. He's not training you to pass a star's test, which at the end of the day doesn't really mean a lot. He's training you to be somebody. He's training you how to be slow to anger, quick to forgive, Leaders in love, like way more important than a good grade in geometry. He's training you who to be forever. So if it feels like you're failing in fear or shame or anger, and only you and God know that, I want you to think about maybe it's time to stop and go back to some basics. Maybe it's time to stop and go back to scripture, to the Psalms, and Find some way to learn how to pray. Okay, that psalm right there, number 41, really speaks to my heart. I'm gonna pray that for the rest of the summer and see if I can't get past some of the shame, fear, anger. Maybe it's time for you to ask God, which we're gonna do at the end of this sermon. Maybe you write this question down for yourself now. What am I missing? What have I missed this year where you wanted to grow me and I, I like just cruised past the lesson? So you guys know a little bit of my story if you've been around the last couple months, but... Um, this season of my life has been really challenging. And the thing that I'm missing, the, feel like, the thing I feel like God is trying to teach me is um, to be a, a worshiper, right? Not, not to be a fixer, not to be a figure-outer, not to be tougher, but to just be a worshiper. 
And I got some tough situations. And he, all he's calling me to do is like, just worship, man. Just praise me. I'll take care of the rest. And that's hard because I'm a, a man and a husband, a leader of a ministry, a dad. I want to fix. I want to do. And God is like, just sing to me. Just hang out with me. I'll take care of the details. And that's very countercultural. But that's how God's working on me. He's trying to teach me, you need to praise me no matter what's going on. You guys have some big stuff going on in your lives. And this is true for you too. God's like, just praise me. Just love me. I'll take care of you. I'll show you what to do. So you know we've had a tough year. What do people do when they're overwhelmed by situations? Like, don't, don't we talk about it? Don't we complain about it? Don't we gossip about stuff? Um, in doing that, we can begin to obsess about our problem. You ever obsess about your problem to where it becomes way bigger than what it actually is? Um, months and months ago, when I entered into this tough season, and I want you guys to just pause right now. What's the hardest thing you had to do this year? What was the most challenging experience you had this year? Just get that in your mind. I'm entering into my greatest challenge of the year, and I'm feeling it start. And I go to the Lord and I say, what am I missing? What do you want to tell me? How can you prepare my heart for what feels like is about to happen? And I always pray those things with scripture in hand and I open my Bible to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And here's what I feel like God was saying directly to me, spoke directly to me through this passage that's thousands of years old. He does the same thing for you if you ask. Listen, it says, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in what he's told you, and you will succeed. So he says this to the king, Jehoshaphat, when he's about to march to fight three armies with his one little army. Overwhelming odds. Bigger deal than he can handle. And it says, so the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord, his faithful love endures forever. These guys are going to war and their only instructions from God is, remember who I am, remember who I created you to be. And how do they do that? They just remind themselves by worshiping God, by singing to God, by declaring truth through scripture. You're going to war and all I want you to do is sing about how awesome I am. That's God's instructions. Talk about basic you know the military leaders are like, why won't you just give us like some super plan on how to kill everybody? Why won't you give us like a new weapon so that we can take care of everything? But instead he's like, look, take all your swords and your shields and march out there for like blood and fighting and war, but all I really want you to do is sing to me. Doesn't make a lot of sense. It's pretty basic. And yet they did it. They obeyed God. They took that basic instructions and they acted on it. And you know what happened when they showed up to the field of battle with those three armies? When they got there, all three of the armies were, every single member of their armies were dead. They showed up to this field where they knew that hundreds of thousands, they're gonna go fight them, and all of the soldiers were dead. God had showed up the night before and caused like dissent in their ranks and they started fighting each other and they all killed each other. So this army shows up after singing for a couple miles to battle expecting, I don't know, maybe we'll win or we'll probably get wiped out. And all of their enemies have been already taken care of by God. God took care of it for them. And all he asked them to do was worship him. Um, there was so much, you guys know what plunder is? 
There was so much stuff, gold, weapons, supplies, left from these three armies that God wiped out for them that it took the guys three days to collect it all. They showed up thinking they were going to fight, but instead they took three days to gather all the treasure as a result. Like that's how big their God is and how much he loves to bless us. And then it said all the surrounding nations heard how God showed up and fought that battle for them and they left that little nation alone for the rest of that king's reign for decades. It says that they were blessed with peace and rest on all sides. The same instructions are gonna work for you guys. God is calling all of us. Whatever your struggle, remember me, trust me, and worship me. And I've been failing to remind myself of that lately. Um, Who's had to take a bunch of tests here at the end of the year or projects or whatever? Are you guys like sick and tired of tests and projects? Are you ready to be done? Right. I felt the same way. I'm ready for the summer. I'm ready to hang out and just have fun with you guys. Um, But I've been discouraged and I've been tired and my discouragement and my tiredness have been getting the best of me. Does anybody feel like their discouragement and their tiredness has been getting the best of them lately? I bet most of you have. So it's been a tough season for me. Um, not getting enough rest. And then you may remember, but in the last two weeks, in, in two weeks' time, rather, um, both our cars, our only cars, died, right? And then our shower and our master bathroom downstairs broke, so it's got to be replaced. And then our air conditioning went out. So we, we knew we needed to get new cars, and we kind of anticipated that would happen sooner or later, so we went out and got them. But when that AC broke, and I'm already discouraged and tired, it was like too much for me. It was $6,500 to fix the AC, and we don't have that money. So we made an appointment with the bank, and we're going to go to the bank on a Monday and say, will you loan us money so we can fix our air conditioning, because we don't have $6,500. And I never stopped and prayed those words that God gave me. I never stopped and said, all right, here's what's going on, Lord, and I'm just going to sing praises to you. No, I immediately went into, how do I fix this? So $6,500. Justin decides, let's go get a loan, and we're going to go to the bank on Monday, and yet on Sunday, within a one-hour block of time, and we weren't like screaming from the rooftops, we're broke, our house is falling apart, life is horrible. Um, Three different parties at three different times within a 60-minute period came up, and, and whether anonymously or not, they gave us envelopes, and there was cash inside. We didn't ask anybody for anything. But three different people felt led by the Lord within a 60-minute period to bring us envelopes. None of those people had talked to each other. When we got home and opened those envelopes, do you know what the dollar amount was? $6,500. Exactly what we needed. That's not a coincidence, you guys. That's how God works. Even though I had failed in some of the basics that God has been calling me to all year, He was still faithful. He was still good. He still blessed us and took care of that problem for us. Um, One of the gifts, one of those envelopes had a verse written on it. I'm going to share it with you and then we're going to wrap up. There was a verse reference on one of those envelopes and it's Matthew 14, 31. And I'm just going to read you a little bit more than just that verse, but it said this. This is the New Testament, and it said, there came a day when the disciples, right, Jesus' 12 guys, they were in trouble, and they were in a boat far away from land, and a strong wind had risen, 
and they were fighting heavy waves. So they're in this little boat. I don't know if they were in a lake or a sea, but just horrible conditions, and they're freaking out. Jesus isn't with them at the moment. So they're getting really scared. It says about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on water, which is pretty awesome. Now, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified, and in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, and he said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. And then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Jesus said, come. Peter jumps over the side of the boat into the water, but he lands on the water and he starts walking on water to Jesus. Crazy. You can't, how did he feel at that moment? Walking on water towards Jesus in the middle of a storm at three o'clock in the morning and he's just like, what's up? Right? And as he's drawing closer to Jesus, he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he starts looking to his left and his right. Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and when he saw the strong waves, he became terrified and started to sink. But immediately, Jesus reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Now when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. And then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Peter's mistake was that he took his eyes off his savior and focused on the storm. Our mistake is that we take our eyes off of Jesus, off of truth, and we focus on our circumstances. We do it all the time. And God has some very basic things that he's trying to speak and teach all of us to help us in those moments. Um, And their response was worship. Their response was, you really are the son of God. So Jesus used that moment to teach them something powerful. Now, all of you are entering a brand new season. Like summer's here and next year, you're at new schools, maybe new towns, definitely a new grade. This is a brand new season. The old has passed and new is on its way. And I guarantee, and not in a place of like, you know, ickiness, but there's tough times in every single one of your future. There's challenges and circumstances bigger than you can figure out on your own, which means we all have an opportunity to walk through our next tough situation better than the last one. And we do that by focusing on Jesus, by not taking our eyes off of our Savior, by staying in the Word, by keeping up good community. Just because small groups are over doesn't mean you guys can't keep meeting together and spending time together and praying together and talking to each other and saying, I'm struggling here, will you help me? Reading your Bible, praying through the scriptures, singing truth is gonna get you through whatever you've got coming down the pipe. It's basic, it's simple, it's negligible, but it's good, it's necessary, it's eternal. So, you guys, Dwight, you guys head on up here. We're gonna close. I mean, that's my story. Just some stuff that God's been doing in my life lately that I feel like I I can't take any credit for. I mean, I hope you have heard today like God showed up in a miraculous way, 
He would love to and is probably in the process of doing the same for you. But there's some basic things that I, that I did not do great this year. And there's probably some basic things that God is saying that maybe you haven't done great this year. We're gonna respond by having some prayer time. And then we're gonna worship. But I invite you guys to grab your pen and paper. And I'm gonna walk you through three questions and give you a couple minutes to respond. But I want us to ask God some really pointed questions and then I want us to just listen to what he has to say. So I'm gonna ask these in an attitude of prayer. You can bow your heads. And then when you start to feel him moving in you or showing you a picture, you thinking of some words, like write them down. Turn them into a prayer. Jesus, we surrender these next few minutes to you and we know you speak. We know you're the God that answers prayer. So we are asking to come and speak to us and to answer some prayer. We have some questions that we wanna ask you and I pray you would open all of our hearts, all of our minds and all of our ears to hear you minister. Students, in your own words, you can ask God this question, but what lesson or experience do you want me to remember to reflect on from this past year? What lesson or experience do you want me to remember or reflect on from this past year? It might be that God really wants to teach you something from this past year and you've moved past it. So ask him that question and listen for an answer. What lesson or experience do you want me to remember or reflect on from this year? And as you start to hear an answer, write it down. Two of three. Ask the Lord, is there anything that you've been saying to me that I've neglected or ignored? Similar to question one, but be specific. Is there anything that you've been trying to say to me, God, that I've just neglected or ignored? For me, an example would be if God, like in my I will statements or whatever has been like, you really need to read the Bible more, or I really want you to take worship to the next level, or I really want you to forgive this person. Just ask the Lord, is there anything you've been saying to me that I've just neglected and I haven't really tried hard on, or I've just ignored? Ask him that, and then write out your response. Last question. Thinking ahead, thinking for when school ends in just a week or two, for the summer, ask God, is there anything that you want me to focus on this summer? You're asking a new question. What, what can I focus on? How can I love you more? How can I grow strong in this area? What do you want me to focus on this summer? You guys keep writing if you're writing, but I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna respond. We have our tithe, communion, and we've got worship. You guys, let's, let's remind ourselves of the truth this morning. Let's declare these lyrics as we worship. God would not, nothing more for you to connect with him and enjoy a song today. And I don't care if you're a great singer or consider yourself not so great. I'm gonna pray and you can respond as you feel led. Jesus, you've given us some stuff to chew on this morning. You've heard some questions. I'm confident you've answered some questions 
Would you help us keep these in front of ourselves? Would you help us remember these things? Would you help us to be basic in our faith? Without faith, we can't please you. Um, Faith is better. It's greater than knowledge. So may we be a people of faith. May we rejoice in the fact that we see ourselves as your kids. I don't want to be your adult. I want to be your child. So bless us with childlike faith. Help us to just love you more, to be more loved by you, and to share your love with other people. Bless us as we respond. Encourage us as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys respond as you feel led.